Conservative? You bet. Controversial? Right again. It's time to squabble on the Jim Benson Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Jim Benson Show. Conservative talk radio covering the issues that concern you here on the BBS radio network. Starting off with our sound bites today, number one is an epic speech given by newly elected Argentina President Javier Millet at the annual gathering of the totalitarian-loving, communist-China-worshipping World Economic Forum, WEF, in Davos, Switzerland, last week. I'm not sure how they pulled it off, but Argentina overwhelmingly elected libertarian Millet as their new president a few weeks ago. Immediately upon taking office, Millet, a Western-aligned economist, has begun a sweeping new program of economic and political reforms to revive the once-thriving Argentina, one of the current sickbin of Latin American nations, which has for many years now been mired in rampant inflation and other economic and political woes brought about by a succession of leftist governments. Here is audio from a video posted on Dr. Steve Turley's YouTube channel, January 16, analyzing Millet's speech to some of the 2,700 attendees at the WEF. Steve Turley, as I've mentioned in previous episodes of our show, always tries to paint a positive picture of the current events he's describing and analyzing. While I don't always agree with this positive spin, I am always impressed with Dr. Turley's voluminous knowledge and impressive research abilities. Please play Soundbite 1. It's a speech that's being talked about all over the world. The new libertarian Argentinian president, Javier Millet, visited the Swiss mountain village of Davos and fired with both barrels, delivering a blistering excoriation of the devious plans that the demons in Davos have for the West, causing Klaus Schwab to absolutely squirm in his seat. Malay's speech began by warning them that they were abandoning freedom for socialism, which only ends up producing poverty and misery. Today, I am present to inform you that the Western world is facing a significant threat. It is in danger because those who are supposed to defend the values of the Western world are co-opted by a worldview that inevitably leads to socialism and consequently to poverty and economic deprivation. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-intentioned desires to help others and others by the desire to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We are here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world, but rather they are their cause. Now, when studying per capita GDP from 1800 to today, what is observed is that after the Industrial Revolution, global per capita GDP multiplied by more than 15 times generating an explosion of wealth that lifted 90% of the world's population out of poverty. We must never forget that by the year 1800, about 95% of the world's population lived in extreme poverty, while that number dropped to 5% by the year 2020 prior to the pandemic. The conclusion is obvious. Far from being the cause of our problems, free market capitalism as an economic system 
is the only tool we have to end hunger, poverty, and destitution throughout the planet. Now, what Malay is saying there has actually been developed in even greater depth by the Harvard economic historian David S. Landis in his landmark study, The Wealth and Poverty of Nations, Why Some Are So Rich and Some So Poor. And his basic thesis for the wealth and poverty of nations is actually very simple. Rich nations are once poor nations that developed free market economies, while poor nations did not. And the key to the thesis is that free market economies require governments that fundamentally do two things. One, they do not interfere with people's economic affairs. They don't hinder economic endeavors. And two, the governments protect private property rights. Right. Every poor nation contradicts those two premises. Landis found that every nation mired in poverty interfered in the economic affairs of its citizens and failed in protecting private property rights. That's the basic argument. And that's precisely what Javier Malay schooled the demons in Davos in. But as it turns out, he, he was just getting warmed up. Now, if free market capitalism and economic freedom have been remarkable instruments to eradicate poverty globally, and we are presently experiencing the most favorable period in human history, it is worth inquiring why I assert that the West is in jeopardy. I argue that the West is endangered as in countries defending free market, private property, and other institutions of libertarianism, sectors of the political and economic establishment, due to errors in their theoretical framework, and ambition for power undermine libertarianism, opening doors to socialism, and potentially condemning us to poverty, misery, and stagnation. Because it should never be observed that socialism is always and everywhere impoverishing, failed in all countries where attempted. It was a failure economically, it was a failure socially, it was a failure culturally, and it also killed more than a hundred million human beings. The main problem of the West today is that we not only have to confront those who, even after the fall of the wall and overwhelming evidence, continue to advocate for impoverishing socialism, but also our own leaders, thinkers, and academics who, sheltered in a misguided framework, undermine the foundations of the system that has given us the greatest wealth and prosperity in our history. Now, there Malay is taking to task what we talked about in yesterday's video, and that's Klaus Schwab's notion of what's called stakeholder capitalism. Now, stakeholder capitalism is generally presented as a system in which corporations are oriented to supposedly serve the interests of the general population at large, not just investors, but the population at large, because as they say, we're all stakeholders in a more just, fair, equitable and sustainable society. And so stakeholder capitalism involves instituting what is commonly referred to as ESG. That stands for Environmental, Social and Governance Criteria. And that refers to literal scores that corporations get in relation to those key areas so that investors can show they're investing in companies that advance left-wing social justice goals, and that includes green energy, racial equity, and the like. It's basically the attempt to pressure companies to become more and more woke. We talked about this yesterday. And so that's why Malay sees socialism and wokeness 
going hand in hand. Given the resounding failure of collectivist models and the undeniable advances of the free world, socialists were forced to change their agenda. They left behind the class struggle based on the economic system to replace it with other supposed social conflicts equally harmful to community life and economic growth. The first of these new battles was the ridiculous and unnatural fight between man and woman. Libertarianism already establishes equality between sexes. The cornerstone of our creed states that all men are created equal, that we all have the same unalienable rights granted by the Creator, among which are life, liberty, and property. This radical feminism agenda has led to increased state intervention, hindering the economic process. It provides jobs to bureaucrats who haven't contributed anything to society, whether through women's ministries or international organizations promoting this agenda. So as you can see, Malaysia's feminism and the war between the genders, as he put it, inextricably linked to socialist ends, precisely because they lost the class warfare argument and that socialist economies simply couldn't compete with capitalist ones. Socialists then in turn switched to a cultural warfare argument, arguing that without their constant intervention, society will forever be marred by unfairness and inequity. And Malay is like, that's absurd. You cannot be a truly free market society by definition with people being oppressed. So this whole feminist fad is utter and complete nonsense. And he went on to slam apocalyptic environmentalism and his propensity to redefine free human choices as potentially detrimental to the planet. He slammed the cultural Marxist takeover of our universities and colleges, and he slammed the whole social justice movement that ultimately always ends up with nothing other than radical injustice. Here's how Malay finished it all off, exhorting patriot entrepreneurs and freedom lovers all over the world. Don't be intimidated by the political caste or the parasites who live off the state. Don't yield to a political class that only wants to prolong its power and preserve its privileges. You are social benefactors. You are heroes. You are the creators of the most extraordinary era of prosperity we have ever experienced. Don't let anyone say ambition is immoral. If you earn money, it's because you provide a superior product, better price, contributing to well-being. Do not yield to the advance of the state. The state is not the solution. The state is the problem itself. You are the true protagonists of this story. And know that from today, you have Argentina as an unconditional ally. Thank you very much and long life freedom, dammit. <laughs> long live freedom, damn it. Long live freedom. That was without a doubt the most epic speech ever given at the WEF and one that I'm sure will be looked back on as a fixed point in history when the world told the demons in Davos to shove it. I understand uh, old Klaus Schwab got up and walked out during Javier's speech, but I couldn't confirm that. I just heard a report about that. <clears throat> I can go on and on about the many elites attending or who have attended in the past the WEF gatherings every year in Davos there, <clears throat> including Klaus Schwab, its founder and president, George Soros, Bill Gates, Larry Fink, and so many of the other event goers. 
which, like Larry Fink, includes the titans of Western finance and industry, world political and cultural leaders. But the bottom line is these supposedly elite world leaders always seem to cheer on the WEF's endless support for and love of the idea and inevitable totalitarian world government and the enslavement of the world's populations under it. Of course, the demons at Davos, as Turley refers to them, don't seem to view their totalitarian schemes that way, apparently believing that it's all for the betterment of humanity, much like the madness of communism and other forms of socialism or a non-existent worker's paradise, an equally absurd supposed future utopia can seemingly be achieved by any means, including mass murder, slavery, and terror. I also liked where Javier Millet equated modern feminism and the feminist movement with collectivism. His observations in this regard are entirely correct. Decades ago, a syndicated U.S. newspaper columnist named Tibor Machen noted that strains of Marxism run throughout the modern feminist movement. He wasn't kidding. Former pop culture leftist establishment darling David Horowitz, son of American communists who turned on the political left as has become one of the great thinkers and writers of our time, has stated that feminist and cultural Marxist icon, the late Betty Friedan, was for 30 years a paid propagandist for the communist left in America. Moving on, here's more commentary from Dr. Turley, this time from another video he also posted January 16th on his now demonetized YouTube channel. It's titled, MSNBC panel melts down over Trump's historic win. He's referring to <clears throat> Trump's very important win in the caucuses, uh, the primary in Iowa last week. <clears throat> and we just learned today that one of the main contenders, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, has dropped out of the race and has endorsed Trump. <clears throat> to put all this in some Perspective. Remember that YouTube is owned by Google, which has enormous business with communist China, like so many of other of our big corporations today, taking in billions of just advertising alone from the communist Chinese party and related corporate entities. Also, be aware that the ultra-leftist radical MSNBC television network is, like its sister leftist company, NBC, owned by NBC Universal, which in turn is owned by the media conglomerate Comcast. Now, these entities have enormous business with the CCP in China. It's not difficult to conclude that the reason why so much of the American mainstream media organizations are so anti-Trump and pro-left wing is that they are all owned by big corporations with big business in China, or hope for big business with China. Play sound by two, please. Oh, they were not happy over at MSNBC last night. Nope, not at all. Trump's historic victory in Iowa sent the woke activists disguised as journalists into a nervous collapse. They simply didn't know how to react. And for us, the result was some of the most entertaining babble of the night. Hey, gang, it's me, Dr. Steve, your patron professor. It's so awesome to be with each and every single one of you. The fallout from Trump's epic, historic blowout win in Iowa continues, this time with a hilarious knee-jerk, spasmodic responses from the ultra-leftists over at MSNBC. Here is the Russia collusion queen herself, Rachel Maddow's take on what really happened behind Trump's historic win. And the big picture takeaway from that, and I don't mean to be, again, too dark, as you said, on this, but it is not 
if we are worried about the rise of authoritarianism in this country, we are worried about potential rise of fascism in this country. If we're worried about our democracy falling to an authoritarian and potentially fascist form of government. The leader who is trying to do that is part of that equation. Mm -hmm. But people wanting that Correct. is a yeah. much mm -hmm. bigger part mm -hmm. of that That's equation. Right. And the American electorate is made up of two major parties. One of those parties has been flirting with extremism on the ultra-right for a very long time. They've brought them in in a way that they haven't been central to Republican electoral politics ever before. And I know because I've been studying this. But once you have radicalized one major party so that those are the preferences of the people who adhere to your party, the leader's interchangeable. And yes, Trumpism is sometimes what we call it. Mm -hmm. MAGA movement is probably a better way to do it. But there is an authoritarian mm -hmm. movement inside yes. Republican politics that isn't being bamboozled by Trump. Mm -hmm. They are pushing Trump That's to right. get more and more right. extreme because the more extreme things he says, the more they, the like more they adhere and to him. That, yeah. and, and that is coming from the, a very large proportion of the American right that adheres to the Republican Party. And that's why this is a Republican Party problem more than it is the problem mm -hmm. of one man and his leadership. Doesn't we, that and tie together can't... the... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gang, that was the very definition of an echo chamber. I mean, what you just saw there was Rachel Maddow. Think about it. One of the staunchest advocates for cancel culture for media censorship, for arresting Biden's political opponents, for removing them from ballots, for corporations teaming up with bureaucrats to force vaccinations and DEI discriminations on their employees. That is the one accusing Trump and the MAGA movement of authoritarian fascism. That. Note, she never even bothers to actually define fascism. Nor does she ever cite a single authoritative source for these claims, even though she assures us she knows what she's talking about. Because I've been studying this. Oh, really? Well, Rachel, if you've been studying the rise of the so-called extreme right, then you'll no doubt be quite familiar with the Oxford Handbook of the Radical Right. It's only the definitive study of the rise of nationalist populism all around the world. It comprises nearly 800 pages of upwards of 30 scholars, all writing about the MAGA movement, Trump, the rise of nationalist populism all over Europe. And interestingly, not a single chapter or article in the entire book equates these movements with fascism. In fact, the authors explicitly and largely distance what they call the radical right from fascism. But then again, Rachel Maddow never let facts get in the way of her kooky conspiracy theories. This guy Kalimnik keeps turning up again and again. Konstantin Kalimnik, Konstantin Kalimnik, Konstantin Kalimnik, Konstantin Kalimnik. He's still Russian military intelligence. Giant aluminum smelters. He started sleeping at his smelters. Sabotage in his smelters. Came to his smelters. Very brutal start, right? Sleeping in the smelters. Tick, 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 tick. Boom. Started ticking again. Tick, 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 tick. Four hours later. Boom. Boom. You're stressing me out. He starts tick, tick, ticking again. The boom goes off twice. First boom. Tick, tick, tick. Boom. Tick, tick, ticking. Second boom. Bombshell. <laughs> yeah, that's, 
That's the so-called reporter that's telling you about what really happened in Iowa last night. She's about as accurate as her so-called reporting on what really happened in Russia in 2016 and the election and all that. The Mueller report, the vaccines, frankly, anything that she spews out of that insufferable propagandistic mouth for that matter. But if you think Rachel Maddow is bad, nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing compares to what you're about to see. But, you know, I feel like the important sort of data point and, you know, Steve talks about it a lot. He's he's going to probably talk about it a little more tonight is that these, these are white Christians. That this is a state that is overrepresented, overrepresented by white Christians that are going to participate in these tonight. caucuses, yes. especially tonight. Um, I today, earlier today, reached out to Robert Jones, Robbie Jones, um, from the Public Religion Research Institute, knowing that we were going to talk about Iowa. And this is a hyper evangelical st- white state. And he said the following to me Iowa is about 61% white Christian. The country as a whole is approximately 41% white Christian. And in Iowa, we're talking about evangelical white Christians. And he said the following. Because I asked him, what do they get out of supporting Donald Trump? Because he keeps about what are people gaming out or Mm -hmm. none of that matters when you believe that God has given you this country, that it is yours. And that everyone who is not a white conservative Christian is a is a fraudulent American, is a less a less real American. Then you don't care about electability. You care about what God has given. That, of course, was the ever insufferable Joy Reid, race huckster par excellence, who blamed Trump's win on too many white Christians. <laughs> That's right. Trump won because there's just too many white Christian, evangelical Christians to boot. And she, unlike Rachel Maddow, she tried to pass herself off as somehow knowledgeable on this subject. She mentioned that she consulted the Public Religion Research Institute, the PRRI. Now, we've reported on them before. I've researched them for some of our other videos. What she obviously doesn't tell you is that the Public Research Research Institute, Public Religion Research Institute, as you may have guessed, is a far-left advocacy group. Keep in mind, this is what the cultural Marxist left has done. They infiltrate cultural institutions, and then they turn around and pretend that such ideological infiltration is perfectly natural and normal, right? Simply objective reality. So that's what Joy Reid just did. She pretended to be objective. She pretended to be nonpartisan as she cites a radically partisan left-wing organization as if it were objectively authoritative. And just think about how absurd her rant was just there. She actually was opining on Trump's electability after Trump just made history in winning an election by the largest margin ever in the history of the Iowa caucus. Trump makes election history and she opines with an incoherent screed on his supposedly faulty electability. I mean, only on MSNBC can you even imagine coming across such utter imbecility. Not only that, but what Iowa proved last night is that the polls are right. The polls are dead on. Trump won by 30 points, which is exactly what the Des Moines Register and the Iowa State poll and Emerson all predicted. They all predicted that Trump would win by a historic margin of around 30 points. Those same polls, particularly Emerson, 
are predicting as we speak that Trump will win the general election with over 300 electoral votes. Even CNN's forecasted map has Trump already winning more than the 270 needs for the presidency. What on earth is Joy Reid even talking about? Well, in the end, it's summed up in the term TDS, Trump derangement syndrome. The people who can't tell you what a woman is are trying to make sense of the fact that their world is about to fall apart. Trump is coming back. He's returning. And they simply don't know how to make sense of that. As I see it, MSNBC and NBC, like the other mainstream U.S. media, are essentially propaganda mouthpieces for communist China. You don't do business in China without working for the Communist Chinese Party. That's the shocking fact Americans must accept if we are going to take back this country and ultimately rid it of the horrific influence and, if not control, of the CCP, whose tentacles, by long-standing design, extend to every corner of U.S. society now and even much of our government. And being the cynic that I admit I often am, I have to disagree with Steve Turley's conclusion that these leftist propagandists at MSNBC don't know how to deal with the political resurgence of Donald Trump. On the contrary, they're just doing their assigned job of vilifying Trump and every one of his supporters, along with the MAGA or Make America Great Again movement. Their task is to condition Americans to accept an inevitable communistic government takeover and rule of America. This they falsely describe as being a democracy. Along these lines, Here's some recent commentary on the state of our nation by Emerald Robinson, whose TV program, The Absolute Truth, is broadcast on frankspeech.com. In seeking paid support for her commentary and analysis on her The Right Way blog and emerald.tv postings on substack.com, Robinson has this to say in a piece titled, It's 2024. Are we going to make it? She begins, quote, most Americans can't grasp just how badly the USA has already been subverted. The right way is the number one conservative blog on Substack, recommended by over 240 other Substack authors. Since it's 2024, I've got some bad news from my fellow patriots that I feel compelled to share. Ignore it at your peril. It's terrible, but it's true. America is a post-constitutional nation. The federal government has no actual legal boundaries. Our corrupt political elites recognize no limits to their whims. They don't even pretend to be public servants anymore. They consider themselves to be your rulers. This dismal truth struck me while I found myself explaining the Barack Obama-produced Netflix film Leave the World Behind to friends and family over the holidays. Many of them simply didn't get it. They asked questions like, why does it matter that Obama produced it? The idea that Barack Obama's extensive involvement in a film about the collapse of America from cyber attacks should be a major cause of concern and was lost on them. I tried to explain to them that Obama was the shadowy figure actually in charge of the Biden regime. Was, I'd say is, but getting back to her narrative here, quote, continuing the quote, Rather than the nursing home patient who walks around the halls of the White House most nights without his pants in confusion, according to my Secret Service sources. 
In other words, the actual leader of the Biden regime bothered to produce a film about the collapse of America from cyber attacks in an election year. This made a slightly bigger impression on some of my friends and family, but not by much. Many of them had stopped watching or reading the news altogether in the last few years. Most of them were still living in the past, in the old America of their memory, while waiting for the Biden regime to disappear or collapse. What happens? But what happens if the Biden regime doesn't disappear or collapse? What happens if the Biden regime cheats again in 2024 and remains in power? That's the problem. If you don't understand yet in 2024 that Americans, America's liberal establishment has liberal establishment has morphed into a communist mob, hell bent on ending our republic, then I'm sorry, but you're not going to make it. In fact, the communists are releasing more films in 2024 about how you are not going to make it. They want to encourage a civil war between Americans. What's the goal? To turn America into a vassal state belonging to China. Of course, you don't believe such a thing could be true. You don't even think such a thing is really possible. Most people can't fully grasp just how badly the United States of America has already been subverted. That's the thing about good people. They often suffer a lack of imagination regarding evil. Just consider all the obvious clues about the decline of our country that good Americans are ignoring right now. Our elections are rigged. Our nation is being invaded by millions of illegals at the invitation of the Biden regime. The same regime also forced you to inject your family with dangerous experimental drugs. Communists, which prefer to call a prefer to be called progressive Democrats with their woke ideology to better hide their communism, run our major universities and most of our public schools and most of Hollywood. They already control our educational systems, our cultural programming, and the Democratic Party. Transvestites with no military experience are being promoted to admirals. So you've lived through a cultural revolution. So I'm sorry. So you're living through a cultural revolution run by communists. It helps to explain why the first thing the Biden regime did in 2021 was to allow the Chinese communists to access the U.S. power grid. We're talking about January 25th, 2021. That's simply no good reason. There's simply no good reason why China should be allowed to interfere with the U.S. power grid unless you want to be subjugated. A month later, the Biden regime halted a Justice Department program to catch Chinese spies using the absurd claim that the communists might complain that it's a racist program. That's why it's time to stop listening to anyone who tells you the Biden regime is stupid or incompetent or confused. That's a coping device for Republicans who can't face the reality that their own country has been subverted while the GOP stands by and does nothing. Too many conservatives still don't get it. They've purged the military. They own the intel agencies. They control the federal bureaucracy. They censored all social media. They've captured the corporate press. They're working with China, not against it. They're even working with the Mexican drug cartels. There are Customs and Border Patrol agents who tell me that 50,000 Chinese Special Force soldiers designed, disguised as refugees or students may already be inside America's borders right now. Why do you think the Trump administration ordered China's consulate in Houston to close within 72 hours? According to a U.S. Embassy website, quote, though the, people of, though the People's Republic of China has engaged in extensive illegal activities and influence operations throughout the United States, the consulate in Houston was a particularly aggressive source of malign activity, according to a briefing by senior U.S. government officials. 
CCP agents working out of the consulate help People's Liberation Army officers evade and obstruct law enforcement to illegally conceal their military affiliations while operating in the United States, according to the officials, end quote. And she continues on. Now ask yourself, why did CCP state media discuss the possibility of their Houston embassy reopening a month before the Biden regime was installed? Wake up. You're dealing with communists who are destabilizing America on purpose. And there's a little bit more here. They own the Biden regime, she continues. They helped install the Biden regime, and they've got the bribes to prove it. End quote. Emma Robinson goes on with this particular blog, and she's appealing for subscribers to her work, which is going to be critical for her to survive, not just politically, but legally, as she's one of the many media and political figures being sued by the electronic voting machine companies over questioning the legitimacy of the 2020 and later elections. Continuing with today's continuing with today's program, here's audio from a January 11 broadcast of the Mark Levin radio show titled "Biden is Rearming Our Terrorist Enemies in the Middle East." Again, remember that it's undisputed that the Biden family, incredibly, has received tens of millions of dollars in direct payments from individuals and entities associated with communist China, and Joe Biden alone is reported to receive some nine hundred thousand as titular head, essentially a no-show job, of the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement of the University of Pennsylvania. I read that CCP contributions to UPenn tripled after it was announced that Joe Biden would be heading the center. It's easy to conclude that the appallingly corrupt Joe Biden is badly compromised by the CCP and has been paying them back at least since his days as vice president and now as president. The list of favors Biden has done for the communist Chinese government is long and extensive, one of which is the reversal of the Trump administration policy of sanctions against major China ally and trade partner, Iran, whose government has long supported with money and arms the terrorist regimes of Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Houthis in Yemen, among other such groups. This has allowed the mullahs ruling the Iranian people to amass tens of billions, I believe it's now worth of $100 billion, in cash reserves to funnel yet more billions in cash and arms to its terrorist proxies around the world. And what does the Biden administration do in light of Iran's support for such terrorism, which led to the horrific Hamas attack and massacre of Israelis and some other foreign nationals last October 7? Free up for the Iranian government yet more billions of their assets, this time some $10 billion just weeks ago. But never fear, Biden's globalist Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, whose father... I heard or read was a close friend of leftist billionaire George Soros. Lincoln says this money will only be used for humanitarian purposes. Of course, that won't free up a similar amount of cash to funnel to their terrorist proxies around the world, will it? A couple more examples of Joe Biden's treachery to America for his bosses in communist China. Let's not be fooled by the rhetoric of the Biden administration officials that the U.S. immigration system is broken. It works perfectly fine. They're the ones who broke it. It's broken, all right, because they broke it willfully. They are willfully refusing to obey the laws of our passed by our Congress. How do you not look at these people as criminals? The mass immigration being encouraged and supported in every way possible by the lawless Biden administration is intentional and by design. It's what their masters, the communists and the globalists in China and at the WEF and United Nations want. As Senator Ted, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas has said, the madness of the invasion by millions of illegal aliens from 
all over the world. And I have seen estimates of between 5 and 10 million since Biden took office. This staggering invasion supports the Latin American cartel and CCP-controlled criminals smuggling humans and the deadly synthetic opioid fentanyl. And I'm sorry, I need to backtrack a little bit. What Ted Cruz said was Joe Biden could end this tomorrow if he wanted. But he's not doing it. Why? Because it benefits communist China, the gangs that make and smuggle this deadly fentanyl that's killing hundreds of thousands of Americans and is sent to the cartels where they make it into pills and smuggle it across the border to America. Fentanyl, as I said, the precursor chemicals which are made in China has killed, I don't even know how many now. It's, they say it's upwards of 100,000 a year now. It's been, I don't know if it's a million, but it's certainly in the hundreds of thousands since this thing has been going in recent years of all this smuggling going on. But fentanyl is hugely profitable to communist China. Cartels and the communist Chinese gangs, the CCP controls. Another obvious example of Biden serving his masters in China is the insanity of the false narrative that climate change is destroying the world. It's all a big lie, but one that in, that's enormously profitable to some American oligarchs and their allies in China, which, through horrible pollution, produces and controls most of the rare earth metals used in electric vehicles. And they also produce a lot of electric vehicles. The Biden administration is moving to totally ban production and sales of gasoline and diesel-powered internal combustion engines within the next few years, within the next few years, destroying hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of U.S. jobs and making the U.S. almost totally dependent on China for these metals and parts for electric vehicles. Do you really believe that these monsters who seize control of our government through truly, who seize control of our government did so through truly free and fair elections? <laughs> well, getting back to Mark Levin, our soundbite from the Levin January 11th broadcast begins with Levin discussing the terrorist seizure I believe you actually said a RAND seizure of a ship in the Middle East. Play sound by three, please. The Iranians, ready? Purposely took the ship and the crew. So why would they immediately release the tanker and the crew? The U.S. and other Western navies have been combating attacks from Iran-backed Houthi rebels in Yemen and the Red Sea for weeks. But Iran itself has not taken direct action beyond sending one of its naval vessels to the region. The Houthis had been in State Department-designated foreign terrorist organization until February 2021. Well, what happened in February 2021? The Biden administration revoked the designation as a terrorist organization. Oh, well, of course. Hamas is not designated as a terrorist organization by the UN, so unrot sends hundreds of millions of our tax dollars mostly to Hamas, with which it builds tunnels, missiles, rapes, tortures, murders. Trump had cut it off. Biden and Blinken turned the spigot back on. They have blood under their fingernails. They're drenched in blood. But the Israelis, if they would just capitulate. Two-state solutions announced today by Antony Blinken, a self-hater, He announces today, listen to this, that a two-state solution with a Palestinian state, you know, the peaceful Palestinians, that would vote for Hamas in two seconds, that that would do more to stop Iran than anything else. Oh, I got it. So surrender a third of your country, 
your ancestral homeland, Judeans and Samaria. Shrink your borders further. Subject your people, major cities now, to what took place on October 7th. And that is how you bring peace with Iran. Now, Biden just gave them billions. Biden took the restrictions off the shipping of oil, which, of course, they shipped to China. And they get the money from China, and they build weapons for Russia. Now, Biden knows this. Blinken knows this. They all know it. The U.S. Navy has shot down numerous missiles and drones fired by Houthi rebels. Uh, We're shooting down missiles and drones. Shouldn't we be destroying these bases that shoot the missiles and drones? Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. So the war has widened, not because of Netanyahu, not because of the Israelis, not because of Trump, or because of Biden and Blinken. The war's widened, and the world's about to be all lit up. Iran's seizure comes just one day after the Houthis launched the largest attack to date on international shipping lanes in southern Red Sea. And the communist Chinese are looking at this, and they're saying, wow, the Americans are easy pickings. If they can't stop the Houthis in Iran, because they don't have the guts to take on Iran, oh, they'll hit the Houthis, you watch. But they will not hit Iran. Then what are they going to do to us, China? We have 1.4 billion people. Four times as many people as the United States. We're modernizing our nuclear missile capabilities. The United States has done nothing. We've expanded our Navy. The United States has done next to nothing. We force our young men into military service. The Pentagon, because of wokeism, they force our men out of military service. In fact, we're not even allowed to call them men. A nation in decline, not because of the American people. Because the Democrat Party and Joe Biden running around, he's Hitler, that Trump is Hitler, he's trying to take out our democracy. No, you putz. You remind me more and more, ready America? Of Stalin. Oh, can I say that? I think I just did. Except Stalin was a vile genocidal maniac. You're an idiot. But you've and your policies have resulted in the deaths of many on our own border in Ukraine because of what you did in Afghanistan, in the Middle East, where it was under control until you fools came in and started to rearm the enemy. You have blood all over you, Biden, Blinken. You're not defending democracy. It's obvious Joe Biden works for communist China. Despite his claims of getting tough with China, such as calling CCP leader Xi Jinping a dictator and supposedly cutting off CCP access to state-of-the-art computer chips needed to build up their military, which they are reportedly still getting from third-party vendors anyway. As Peter Schweitzer mentions in his book, Red-Handed, How America's Elites Get Rich Helping China Win, the communist Chinese have a phrase for Biden and his handlers' policies. Much help and a little bad mouth. As I've said numerous times on recent episodes of this program, I am not feeling good over what we are facing with today's Marxist revolution having been thrust upon us here in America and the West by those radical leftists and their supporters, including a lot of people in the Republican Party, phony Republicans, 
were bought off, intimidated, or just so stupid that they go along with the establishment and the Democratic Party. Uh, but the, these people who have supposed substantially taken power in our country, these people, I have no doubt, have no intention of allowing America to take back Americans to take back their country through truly free and fair elections, even if through some miracle enough is done in time to allow Donald Trump and allied political candidates to win. I believe left-wing rioters will be unleashed nationally for weeks or even months in order to get Biden or whoever is actually running the government to declare martial law, suspend, if not nullify, the 2024 election, and arrest Trump and his supporters, thus completing the real coup of their takeover of our government and society and ending America as we have known it. I'd sure like to be proven wrong, as I've said many times, but at this point, I just don't have enough information to... I think a lot of people, a lot of good people are working hard to change things. I hope to report in future weeks some of those changes and to offer more positive take on things. But as things stand right now, I don't think the people in charge of our country have any intention of going back, of turning it over to the people who would win it through a free, really free and fair election. And as I see it, we sure as hell need a plan to deal with peacefully but effectively with such a possibility or something similar that would prevent political defeat of those now in power. There isn't much time left to take decisive action in this regard. Well, that's it for another episode of our show. As always, we hope you found the content of interest and value. You can listen to a podcast of today's show when it's posted soon on the Jim Benson Show pages here at bbsradio.com. Look for us again with another live show two weeks from today in this same time slot. Have a great rest of your day and evening.